when all that you see are actors on your television singing off key. What savvy, well versed heroes can settle the score? Once more with TV. Welcome, Kirks and Picards, to Once More with TV a podcast celebrating TV musical episodes from the sublime to the suprime. And definitively ranking them using every theater child's worst nightmare, math. I'm your co-host, Alex Kovnatsky, he, him, and I am an anything-goes enthusiast. Ah, and I'm your co-host, Liza Trushel, she, her, and uh, I'm something of a Star Trek fan. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know if anybody knew this about me. It's very secret in my life. Anyway... (laughs) That comes in handy because what we watched uh, this time around is Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 9. It aired August 3rd, 2023. Incredibly recent. Very, very hot off the presses. (laughs) I want you to dive into that a little bit more, Liza. What, What makes you a big Trekkie? Give me, give me your relationship to Star Trek. I've been a Trekkie for a very, very long time, actually, and... Yeah, growing up, I was big on the original series. My dad was a big fan, so I started watching it. And then, um, you know, we're all young and impressionable and watch J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies and think things and then get older and like, hmm, was that good? Anyway, but like, <laughs> uh, no, and then I watched those ones. And that's what, uh, shortly after that first one came out, I really took a much deeper dive. I'd only seen the original series up until that point, but then I watched Next Gen. I've seen all of Deep Space Nine. Um, I did watch Discovery when it was coming out. So this is the Star Trek industrial complex is booming and uh, perhaps too much. It could be argued. And so there's Mm -hmm. Discovery takes place before the original series. This show, Strange New Worlds, also takes place before the original series, about 10 years before we're on Kirk's Enterprise. This is Pike's Enterprise. Um, Christopher Pike, for the real fans, was supposed to be the original... um, star of the original series he is in the unaired pilot which was used as footage for a later episode like that's a flashback episode uh and the network didn't like the pilot liked spock didn't want to change spock <laughs> wanted to change everything else and so that's how we got william shatner in there billy shatz billy shatz his legacy lives on but um <laughs> So yeah, this is they finally found someone charismatic enough to pull off a Pike-centric show. So they did it. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so Strange New Worlds, up until I watched this episode, I hadn't watched any of Strange New Worlds actually. And that's because it's behind the Paramount Plus paywall. Um and I now have a free trial. So I'm just eating it right up. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Nice. So have you watched all the other episodes? prior to this one no at, at the time i watched this episode last week i hadn't seen any other episodes of strange new worlds i've now watched most of a season um okay, i got nice. really excited <laughs> about this show nice. i'd love to know your take on on the season so far sure yeah it's fun i think um star trek is best to me when it is campy and ridiculous and this show seems to understand that in a way that other especially recent star trek shows i am looking at you discovery have not um i think it's really easy to also even the newest season of picard was like overly serious Mm -hmm. and uh ridiculous and i I missed the Star Trek that was this because, like, I, again, grew up on original series, which is, like, super episodic. 
um, very, very barely science. There is, we throw science words around, but they are not important. It is, they are, mm-hmm. everything's mm-hmm. a metaphor for some kind of social issue that we have and or we're just going to do a silly episode now. Um, yep. So this, this series seems to be really, the amount of shenanigans per episode is extremely high in a way that makes me very happy and also makes this episode sort of makes sense in context because they're mm-hmm. kind of wild. Like I just watched an episode from the first season where the, like the enterprise, they're all stuck in a fairy tale. Like all of the members. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like they just do this, you know? And this is like, to me, like peak Star Trek is when you're just like, what if we did the goofiest thing and everybody bought in a hundred percent. So yeah. Yeah. I am into this now. What about you? What about you in Star Trek? You know, Star Trek's a funny one for me because it has all of the things that I should love, but I've just never really watched a lot of it. I think I've watched probably all the movies. My dad also was a huge Star Trek fan and had all of the old movies, and I watched all of those at one point or another and loved it, but had no access to the TV show because streaming didn't exist yet. And so I think I just missed it for some reason or another and have never gotten back onto it. I think I've watched maybe five episodes of the next gen and the original and deep space nine actually too and i for some reason have never gotten fully invested in it that being said i love star trek i love what it goes for Mm -hmm. i love that they're asking big deep questions but also being very silly because it's a bunch of people living together on a boat and Mm -hmm. i love that kind of concept Yeah, I think the thing about Star Trek that to me separates it from Star Wars is it's like really relentless optimism. I think Star Mm -hmm. Trek really envisioned a a world where people were just better and like can do better. And it's still sort of like it really vehemently believes that in a way that I think is really refreshing. Um, It's also funny to watch new Star Trek shows because, of course, like, you know, because TV and our technology has advanced so much, this version of the future, which is actually 10 years before the 60s version right. of the future, right, <laughs> is much more realistic, like, much more, like, it's much fancier. There's something to be said there about, like, the continuity of the design being a little bit ridiculous, but I don't necessarily mm-hmm. mind. And it's worth mentioning, too, it's, like, historically a pretty progressive show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of firsts that happened with Star Trek. And uh, I wish it would push the envelope a little bit more even nowadays. I feel like they have the opportunity to do so. And I I guess I don't know the series enough to know if they are or aren't. Um, But, uh, you know, I think kudos to, to the show for that as well, too. Yeah, I think they're certainly trying a bit. I think like most characters now, like a lot of characters will sort of like be either coded as queer or explicitly queer or also like there is a certain idea of like maybe none of them care about that at all like they always very Mm -hmm. casually Mm -hmm. mention like the various genders of their partners as if it's no big deal which is kind of nice because in the future Mm -hmm. literally why would it be (laughs) literally why Uh um yeah i think they're trying a bit i do agree i do think that like the first one was so progressive we could be doing a little bit more um An important thing for this episode in particular, obviously it's a musical episode. The music was written by Kay Hanley and Tom Pulse. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Why do I know those names? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets gets better. The band that they used to be in is Letters to Cleo. Does that name ring a bell for you at all? (laughs) Does Letters to Cleo ring a bell for me? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you insult my character in this way? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. That is so crazy. That's wild. So for um, me, the interesting famously thing... appeared on Parks and Rec. Right, right. They appear on yeah. Parks and Rec. I was trying so hard to remember who that band was and what my yeah. connection to it was. And then the Parks and Rec thing came and I was like, oh, okay. Like when I was looking at research and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, but that still doesn't really feel like something that I, I know super well. And then I found out they're also the band that plays in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes, they, they are. They like play at the on very the roof end. of stadium. Yeah. On the roof. Exactly. But also very fun is Kay Hanley um, provides the voice for Rachel Lee Cook in Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Yeah. That isn't is that fun? really wild. Yeah. Because wow. I was listening to whatever their hit song was. And I was like, I don't recognize this song, but that voice sounds so familiar to me. Um, and that was, that was, I think, the real connection for me, at least. That is so buck wild. I love that. Wow. An, uh, early 2000s, 90s queen, Kay Hanley. Truly. Um, Truly. Come to serve us. So as a quick recap for this episode, we have the IMDb synopsis here. And it says, an accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the Enterprise to break uncontrollably into song. But the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies, and enemies alike. Ooh. Ooh. I, <laughs> like, that, oh, those two sentences or whatever they were filled me with such unbridled joy. Like, I love Star Trek for the nonsense that we spew. Like, so much of, like, just a quantum improbability field or uncertainty field or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, what the fuck? <laughs> that's nothing um i love using like really vague science terms and saying them with enough authority that we could justify truly anything and that's what this feels like to me exactly and it's worth mentioning this synopsis doesn't say it because i think it assumes that people have already watched the show which i hadn't and you hadn't at the time um but mm -hmm. you mentioned before that it takes place just before the enterprise as we know it on the old generation so we have some familiar faces we have spock we have uhura we have a couple of other people who else is recurring from this uh spock and uhura for sure i mean pike and una are sort of like in the consciousness christine chapel the nurse and mm -hmm. uh mabenga the doctor is there sometimes helping mccoy out on the original series um yeah there's a good amount of carryover and we have some version of kirk that appears in this as well okay, too it seems i, I will unclear. say i don't quite understand what's going on with the kirks um <laughs> so first of all it's really important to mention that kirk is paul wesley from the vampire diaries which mm -hmm. is such a buck wild choice for kirk i gotta be um, honest i don't think it works a hundred percent for me no um, it doesn't it I also, certainly does not i do love the chris pine kirk and i think i'm a little I attached do to that too. i know i'm too attached to him i actually think chris pine is really like the standout of those movies he was such an excellent casting choice mm -hmm. um because because chris pine importantly to me is really capable of camp like, mm -hmm. really understands it and just goes for it. And Paul Wesley, there's not an ounce of camp in his body. He doesn't know how to do this. <laughs> I can see him play the charm, right? Like, I see him using yeah, sure. the verb to charm. And it's just, it's coming off a little too transparent. Yeah. There is a moment where he slides out of a Jeffries tube. And I will say, <laughs> that had Kirk energy. I was like, that is something James Kirk would do. Also, Amazing. Kirk's brother is here. Sam Kirk works on... Yeah, the one with Didn't the mustache. 
Didn't yeah, the one with the mustache is Sam Kirk, James Kirk's older brother. But yeah, we do have Kirk in this episode. Kirk is here shadowing everyone, question mark, um, so that he can start his commission on the Farragut, which is canonically the uh, ship he is captain of before he is captain of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So he's like popping in just for shits today. <laughs> <laughs> Showing up for the musical episode. Showing um, up for the musical episode. That's being Kirk um, energy too. Something that's been kind of fun watching this is like, it feels sort of like when you meet someone's parents. Like, you know how when you meet someone's parents and you're like, oh, that's why you're like this. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just how it is. It kind of feels that way with Kirk meeting Pike because this is his mentor. And like, Mm -hmm. this man is also liable to break rules all the time and a little wild and like kind of sweet and like very trusting of his car. Like, there's a lot of Pike in Kirk, also in Spock, who is also mentored by Mm -hmm. Pike. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of fun, like meeting their dad. Like, oh, this is your dad. That's why you're like this. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't quite get the characterization of Pike down just from this one episode, which is nobody's Mm -hmm. fault. Um, I'm curious to maybe see more of it and, and get a sense of that a little bit more. But we start this episode with getting, honestly, a lot of scenes before we get any kind of singing. And they're kind of stopped by this Mm -hmm. thing that they called the fold. And they try to shoot music into it to see if that does anything because they've tried communicating. Um, It's a a subspace fold. How (laughs) dare you? A naturally occurring subspace fold. Of course. Of course. That's the sum of it. We shoot a subspace fold with Gershwin. That's how we problem solve here. We shoot it. Anything goes. Yes, we shoot some anything yep. goes at it, and then uh, it seems to affect everything, and we get our first number status report. Delightful. It is a fantastic number. It's so I fun. really, really love status <laughs> report. I think they have some really amazing harmonies. They have nice little rhythmic strings to introduce it, and they have, you know, just kind of this this good dynamic of building the song as it goes with a lot of key changes, which is really fun and bold. I really, really like this opening number. I love this opening number. I think it's so fun. I love that Spock is the first person to sing. Incredible um, choice. Because he's so perplexed by it. Oh, my God. The other thing I wanted to say is Ethan Peck, who plays Spock, who I think is doing a lovely job. Yes. He's great. He's really a standout. He was also on Discovery, and then they put him on this show, too. He's just fantastic. Um, he his speaking voice i was trying to figure out like what i knew him from because i was like wow his voice sounds so familiar he sounds exactly like peter dinklage when he speaks ah you know what that's i think it because i spent so much of the show going like i don't even know if this guy is doing a great job at acting but i believe everything he says and his voice is so soothing his voice is his voice is peter dinklage's voice like they sound exactly the same um, but no, he he starts singing. It's very fun because Spock is quite perplexed and upset mm-hmm. <laughs> in a Spock mm-hmm. way, which means he's showing almost no emotion, but he's doing a Vulcan panic attack. <laughs> and like, <laughs> exactly. uh, love it. I also love that we're like explicitly jump into song right after we're talking about we are all having communication problems. Absolutely mm-hmm. iconic. But yeah, we, we have a straight up, why are we singing? We ask it in the yes. song. Uh, and we, we do a that. lot of... Like I said, a lot of good Star Trek jargon, just like inertial mm-hmm. dampeners, hampered. Like we're just really going all in. And Pike is just like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> as the crew sings <laughs> around him? I also love that this this refrain that they have on apologies and it keeps coming up kind of in a canon at the end of this mm-hmm. song. But it also comes up in later songs as well, too. I think it's just a good little riff that they keep coming back to that... 
Honestly, it doesn't sound like super Star Trekky to me, but it fits. I really liked that bit to me. The only thing that I'm critical of in this song is that it sounds really, really auto-tune polish for most of the singers. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that kind of pitch correction-y thing that seems, I, I don't know, like too clean, too polished to me. And I don't think I love that. And it persists throughout the rest of the songs a little bit too. Not for all of the characters, but for most of them. Yeah, some of them have a definite like shiny glee sound mm-hmm. that I, yeah, I would agree. We have definitely some really talented singers in this cast, uh, particularly yep. like Ahura is really amazing. Mm-hmm. It's also important to note, I watched like the first, the second, I think, episode of this show, Ahura solves a different outer space nebula problem by singing at it. Like we literally, like amazing. we love singing on this show. <laughs> Well, it's important to mention that Uhura, the actress Celia Rose Gooding, is a Broadway person. That makes sense. Played Frankie in Jagged Little Pill and got a Tony nom for it. Nice. She is incredible in this. Yeah, no notes. Yeah, no notes on her. Also, she is LaShawn's daughter. Like, she inherited that unbelievable belt from a very famous singer. (laughs) That's fun. I love that. I I looked it up because I thought maybe like I saw the name Gooding and I was like, is this Cuba Gooding Jr.'s other kid? Because he's got some kids running around doing doing (laughs) stuff now. I was like, whose Nepo baby is this? Uh, But then it was a different one. I'm delighted. I love LaShawn's. And yeah, I think uh, she's amazing. I mean, she's just absolutely. uh, We'll get to her song. I mean, her song is Unfortunately, probably one of my least favorite songs. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think her performance Whoa. on it is great. Yup, that's interesting <sighs> to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. We have a lot of. I think also is... like behind the curtain, Alex and I disagree a lot about this episode. <laughs> so let's just like, I want to fight you. Like, let's start fighting. Why aren't we fighting? <laughs> let's start fighting. I I would love to do that. This song is so good, and I think it's almost to the detriment to the rest of the episode for me personally. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think the opening and closing numbers are definitely the strongest and everything else Mm -hmm. is not as good. One of the things that I think really didn't work for me is that so much of the orchestration of all the songs is the exact same thing as Status Report, where we Mm -hmm. have like very Mm -hmm. rhythmic strings and like a bass line that's moving around and some piano and like no other instruments. And there's like maybe one other song that has like a flute for a line and and another song that might have a horn played by a synthesizer, which like is almost good for me. Um, But the problem with this is that Status Report can do that because they have such nice harmonies happening throughout the whole thing that function as like other pieces of an orchestra uh, in a way. And the melody lines are also just so interesting and complex. And I think that works really well. But then all of the other songs are like just less complex and have fewer harmonies and just have the same string section. And I, I it, it bothered me a lot the m- more I heard each song. I was like, well, we could have done something a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I think what you're forgetting is that it's fucking fun. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, okay. I I do want to counter that, Liza, because that is actually a little bit of a problem I had with this. Is that it didn't feel like a lot of people were having fun. Oh I felt my like god, people I were disagree. so serious in this episode and so stiff. Oh um, my god, I and disagree I wish so people much. People leaned into it a little bit more. I thought people were having so much fun. 
for me, that song, uh, I'm Ready, Christine's song after Christine Chapel gets accepted to a fellowship and then she has a little party in the bar with her friends. That just reeked of people having fun to me. I thought the private conversation song was really adorable and fun. And like, uh, so that's, uh, we've got Pike getting a hail over the comms to the ship. And it's his girlfriend, mm-hmm. who is the captain of a different ship. <laughs> and they're trying to have a private conversation in front of everyone. <laughs> it's getting very personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both wish it would stop because we adhere very strictly to the rule that like you sing what you can't say. Like it's very Buffy mm-hmm. where we're forcing it. You know, like you are now forced to sing the thing you couldn't say before. We also do have a, we got one line where someone says, I've got a theory. And then we get one line where someone Mm -hmm. asks if it could be bunnies or something like that. Yes, I have both of those written down as well. Yeah, they were both very cute. Uh, We're definitely (laughs) nodding at uh, Buffy in a very big way, which felt nice. Just like understanding Mm -hmm. the importance of that episode. But yeah, I thought that... um, I mean, like, at the end of that private conversation song, like, Pike is, like, on the ground on his knees with, like, one hand on his heart and, like, one hand out before La'an, like, turns off (laughs) the, uh, like, hangs Uh up on the subspace call. Because she's, like, and I don't know. There were moments like that to me that felt very goofy and and fun. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it maybe just didn't connect with me in the same way. And uh, maybe I need to watch it back again. But for so much of it, it felt like the writing of the moment was pretty fun and funny, but the execution didn't come off as fun. Everybody felt so stiff to me, except for weirdly Spock was like stiff, but like comfortable in his stiffness. I felt like everybody just need to loosen up and like not be so nervous of being in a, in a musical um, or be so serious all the time. But I can I can see what you're saying, especially for um, the I'm Ready song. I think people let loose a little bit more there. I wish the dancing was a little bit better there. It feel, felt a little weird to me. But I, I agree that that one is probably the most fun See, I liked the, the dancing in that because it the... felt a little organic. Like, it was, like, very... Obviously, there is choreography. There are, like, trained dancers who are doing lifts. There are some more complicated things going on. But for the most part, it just felt like people kind of jamming, which is what I really liked about it. That kind of felt like an honest, like, expression of what it would be if you suddenly were just singing things. It's not necessarily all the time that everybody knows all the words and all the steps. It's just that now everybody's singing. Yeah, very much so. But I I do like the orchestration a lot better in that song. I think that is the song where we get like a little bit more flute and a little bit more horn. Um, so I was yeah, I was we excited do some sort of that. jazzier stuff, and then we get like pretty much immediately after Spock doing a reprise. How did you feel about Spock's math reprise? <laughs> okay, okay, we talked about this a little bit too. Here's the thing: I love a math song. I know we talk about math being our biggest nightmare, but I actually am a math yeah. enthusiast, big time. He is, yeah. But I didn't. I don't. I think I just didn't understand it. I don't understand what he's saying by saying I was solving for y, but I'm the x. Um, first of all, it's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what is that? Can you explain that? <laughs> it's wordplay, Alex. Um, <laughs> he was trying to solve for Y with an H, but also Y, the variable. But he should have been solving for X, the X, which is him. I don't know if it makes mathematical sense because I don't understand math. To me, it made sense. <laughs> right, but okay, so so the premise of that song, though, is that he's like, I made a mistake being too emotional. I need to be more hardened now. 
I'm the ex. I just don't get that final conclusion. I will say there are a few songs that I I think the lyrics struggle a bit on this episode and I think there are songs where I don't understand the meaning. That is actually my quibble with Hura's song. I don't get what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, on this one, it felt more like he's trying to look for a pattern, right? To see if there's some way they can figure out how to, what the subspace fold is doing. So they're looking for a pattern, but he can't find it because of his own emotions as the ex. So he needs to shut it down in order to figure out what's going on. That was what I got from that. Oh, inter- is he not talking about the girl he had a crush on who is now going to this o- other place? Yeah, he is talking about Christine. Yeah, Christine has got a fellowship and he is talking about it. Like He is like, I'm trying to figure out why everything is happening. But they went into that room to cause drama because Spock is a messy bitch because they went in to <laughs> cause drama so that they could intentionally start songs, which absolutely phenomenal in terms right. of... Love that. <laughs> like, I freaked out that was amazing so they went into that place to cause drama and then he got lost in the drama i think is what happened and he's mad at himself because he was supposed to be doing science (laughs) he got too (laughs) he got too emotional to do the important music science that he was supposed to be doing okay cool i can i can track that but then what does that have to do with the relationship between y and x in an equation because it's a funny joke alex The math's not mathing for me. That's all I'm saying. For me, the math doesn't have to math. I'm (laughs) thrilled with the math not mathing. (laughs) Back to your point before, Spock, the actor, so good in this. And I think even though I didn't love this song and was confused the whole time, I think he knows what he's talking about in that song, and that does (laughs) enough for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) He does. He does seem very confident in that song. Uh, yeah, he does have a certain ease about him, which is funny, considering he's supposed to be the person with the least ease. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's another character who actually has a song about showing their true emotions, which is La'an Noonien mm-hmm. Singh, for those who are familiar with her ancestor. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, sorry. Um, <laughs> but she has a song also about not wanting to reveal her true emotions, which I can only interpret as being British is more of an emotional impediment than being Vulcan. I love that. <laughs> That's what I took away from that song. I, I actually, I thought she did a pretty good job with this number. I oh, think she was great. Yeah. That melody line is, is quite difficult as well, too. And the chords around it are quite good. Um, again, the orchestration was a little bit annoying for me. The drums are so loud in that song, and I don't know why they decided to make the drums so loud. Um, and I wish she was better lit. I don't know why she was so darkly lit in that whole song. I know that it's supposed to be like a little bit more angsty, but like a musical theater song should be a little bit more in the spotlight, I feel. I agree with you. I think from the perspective of someone who's watched a lot of Star Trek, uh... (laughs) The only way on the ship that you can tell that it's night is when it, uh-huh. the lights are low. Because it's always night because you're out in space. <laughs> That's actually a really, really great point that I didn't yep. think about at all. Yeah, it's something night you space. start to notice when you've watched a ton of Star Trek is that the only way you understand what time it is is the like setting on the dimmers. So it's nighttime, therefore... <laughs> She um she makes a really, really great point at the end of this song that I think is maybe my favorite thing in the episode about 
the fact that people singing their innermost feelings is a security threat. Oh my god, I so funny. I cackled. I absolutely <laughs> cackled. Yeah, I think Pike asked her, wait, are you saying our emotions constitute a security threat? <laughs> I She's don't like, even yes. think it's it's funny so much as it is a fantastic point. I think that's just straight up true. If you oh have my a god, whole bunch of people who are living together for, I don't know how long it's been, but I'm assuming years. Um, if they're starting to say what they really feel at the pit of their stomach, I think that's a security threat for sure. It's a huge security threat, both internally and externally. I mean, we do, I guess it's important to mention that we do hail the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And we do, <laughs> they do sing at us. <laughs> oh, oh my God, sorry. Before we get into Klingons, which are so yes. important, I want to say one thing about La'an's solo song. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's it's anyone can whistle, but not as good. Second of all... <laughs> Um, ah, I see it's that. just that song uh second of all though it was so so she has this flashback speaking of like multi-dimensional Kirks what a, I don't know what's going on there <laughs> but she was in love with a version of Kirk who in classic classic Star Trek fashion was beamed down onto modern day earth <laughs> um, okay. with her because uh, that's always what happens in Star Trek. They're always somehow stuck in the past on Earth at the exact time where the show is actually airing. But anyway, in a previous episode, she is flashing back to this during her song. And she and Kirk like fell in love and had a life and he died? Question mark. But what was really... And so the Kirk that's on the ship now is a different one. Again, I wish I could explain it, but I actually don't know what's going on there. The thing that was amazing is that in this flashback of being in love with him, they do the thing where they're under... This is like one of my favorite movie and TV tropes of all time, (laughs) where they're like under the sheets and like looking at each other uh-huh, uh-huh. and like it, the sheets are like billowing them around them in a certain way <laughs> and it's like it was so funny to me because that kirk dies and that to me is always something that sets off all my alarm bells for we're about to fridge a woman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the moment <laughs> we fridge like the moment i see a woman under like bed sheets i'm worried that she is about to be murdered yes. because that is so constantly one of these like ideal shots of a woman we get right before she dies in order to cause a man pain and the idea that it's right before Kirk dies it causes a woman pain <laughs> like really set me off I actually was laughing so hard I missed the end of the song <laughs> like, wow. I was like crying because Equal we fridged opportunity Kirk. Fridging. We love yeah it. I loved so this show is progressive actually that's <laughs> what I'm saying that kind of thing has big like oh stop filming me energy you know oh my god i know (laughs) it does it's so manic pixie dream kirk (laughs) (laughs) i love that we learned shortly after this song that not only do our emotions constitute a security threat the entire fleet is now (laughs) singing at each other The way they built the rules for this is also really good, too. I like that they're saying that they only sing when their emotions are heightened. And I, you know, that explains away why they have dialogue scenes and and the fact that it actually fits the framework of a musical. I think that's a really, really good uh, detail that they put into it, that they kind of discover as we, the audience, are discovering it, too. Yeah, it's really honestly pretty fantastic. It's also, you know, as the stakes raise, of course, the songs raise stakes, which is really great, and our emotions raise stakes, but also Pike just wants to blow up the <laughs> subspace fold. <bulb. laughs> that's his That's his first pitch. He's like, I think we should blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was very good at... Uh, 
again, this is to me very much meeting Kirk's dad for the first time. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> That's why he's <laughs> like this. That's what separates them from the Klingons is the Klingons didn't have people saying maybe no. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the other thing that really that really got me on this episode is: Does everybody just want a piece of Spock? It was like it felt like yeah, everybody bit. was kind of like, and I don't blame them. I mean, no. we know, uh, we know Spock has always been the piece on the Enterprise. <laughs> we know this. We know this. Um, but no, during this song, during this Keeping Secret song, there's like. Yeah, there's just a bit of uh, we're singing about the secrets we keep and we kind of pan to Uhura looking at Spock in a very leading kind of way as he's like breaking up with Christine. And I'm just like, damn, dude, he's a hot piece. Everybody wants <laughs> everybody wants a taste. And and who could blame them? His voice alone. It's just so I know. it's so good. Can't Spock is very that. obviously the hot one. It's always been true. It's Leonard Nimoy's legacy that Spock is weirdly always the hot one. I'm glad that tradition is is keeping. Uh, yes, it would be wrong if he was not just the apple of everyone's eye. It's delightful. But yeah, then we get into. Uh, yeah, we're kind of jumping back and forth here. We I are think jumping it's worth, around quite a lot. Yeah, it's worth <laughs> us talking about the, the big 11 o'clock number, which is Keep Us Connected, which you mentioned that you weren't a huge fan of. I'd love for you no, to go in on okay. that. Oh, yeah, so this is Hura's song, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, what I'm positive is her unbelievable performance of this song. Yes. She really, like, carries it. She's an incredible singer, and mm-hmm. that's the positive. So that is not something that I'm upset about. First of all, we missed a really good and easy musical joke that I got mad about because it would be really great if for one of the times she says the word unaccompanied, there was no accompaniment. And I was really <laughs> angry. <laughs> But they didn't do that. I was like, it'd be so fucking easy. That's very (laughs) good. Idiots. Anyway, so mad. (laughs) Um, The other thing is, this one for me, like, really, the lyric scheme fell apart. Like, Mm. I just, it was this and the good at keeping secrets one where I was Mm. just like, what are we doing? Like, what is the meter of this? Like, what is supposed to rhyme? I don't understand any kind of pattern or anything. Mm. Um, and I, to me, that just makes things a little bit harder to listen to, uh, mm-hmm. just because, like, you know, the brain wants to form patterns. It gets dopamine when it forms patterns, and I couldn't form any patterns here. So, uh, yeah, I think for me, the problem was not the music itself at all, actually, just the lyrics of it. I didn't really understand what she was saying, and I couldn't, I, I was so concentrated on how none of it went together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That makes sense to me. I, I think I said earlier that another song had, you know, a wind instrument or horns in it. It was actually this song because I have it mm. in my notes now. Um, so I, I think the arrangement, while, yeah, I agree with you. I think that there could have been better things with it lyrically. I think the arrangement of this was at least a little bit different for me, which I like. And of course, I think those things pale in comparison to how good she was singing on this whole track. She's so good. So, so, so good. Um, it was crazy. And it was nice, too, because I I feel like after I hear so much auto-tune singing for a while, it kind of all blends together a little bit. Um, and it was so nice to hear somebody just be good at singing, just like pure tone, 
um, great mm-hmm. with very little pitch correction or anything like that. I know. I totally agree. She she was really a breath of fresh air on this. And she very rightfully, I think, then leads our final song, mm-hmm. which is we have to do a group number to save the ship. Love that. Because uh, that's Love the only the... way to save the galaxy is to do a group number. <laughs> Absolutely iconic. I freaked out. <laughs> I actually, before we get into the final number, I do have a question for you in that, like, one of the things that I think might have been bothering me about this, but I'm not sure, is actually just the way everything was shot, which Mm. I don't think it was shot poorly, but it wasn't shot like a musical ever. No, it's very much mostly shot like a classic Star Trek episode. Yeah, and it's it's like these kind of hyper-realistic or like cinematic shots that like happen in Les Mis the movie that also took me out of that movie where I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see all of this. I want a little bit of like showmanship with the camera as well too. And I don't know if that would have changed anything for me, but I think it might have made me feel like it was a little bit campier visually. I totally get that, actually. Um, a more mobile camera. I will say there are a few shots here that you don't typically see on um, Star mm. Trek. I don't think they're particularly good shots, but mm-hmm. uh, you don't really see a lot of um, looking into the ship from outside. That doesn't mm. happen that often, unless it's like a big uh, wide shot of the ship in space. You don't get a lot of like um, looking in through portholes at right. people. So you do get that here, which I thought was interesting because it's that concept of like watching mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that doesn't normally come up on this show. But other than that, yeah, everything was pretty, um, pretty standard Star Trek kind of shots, with the exception maybe of a couple shots in a horror's number where I felt like they used the warp core in a great way to <laughs> light her. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. On on the kind of flip side of that, I do feel like everything looks so clean on that ship all the time. Oh my god, yeah. I'm obsessed with it's that. It's so clean. No, like the aesthetic of this, again, I mean, this is it's just funny to me that this is 10 years before we do right. um Kirk's <laughs> ship, which is and technically, you know, every time the the Enterprise is sort of like made over and baited to a new ship, which is why in the 90s it had burgundy carpet everywhere because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like oh in the future they'll definitely carpet spaceships <laughs> what if this whole thing looks like a goddamn office <laughs> but Incredible. anyway uh yeah it is a very very clean and very um shiny ship yes uh, but yeah. anyway, we were about to get into the finale, the grand finale. We are grand the one. Finale. I do love the premise of the stakes of this, where they need oh, to sing iconic. so much that it boosts this little bar up to this line that seems arbitrary. I love that. I love that so much. It's like when you go to like a football game and they have like <laughs> the noise, noise meter. <laughs> Yeah, that is essentially what's going on here. Um, we have to do enough musicals that the subspace full is like happy and goes away. <laughs> and I love so that every good. time, to your credit, I love every time they try to explain the science of it. And I'm just uh, sitting there going like, these are not words that matter at all. Um, but I, I have no qualms with that. I love that. Star Trek science is 98% actor conviction. It is all <laughs> It is all just in how you say nonsense words. Mm-hmm. And if you could deliver them in a way where it sounds like you're serious, you ju- everybody just accepts it and moves on. Yes. We're like, great, yeah, we have to sing at it. Excellent. It's the only scientific option. 
I love the bit too where they're saying I'll miss the singing, but Spock and says, Spock says I, I won't. <laughs> that's that's a good bit. Yeah, that was really that was really great. Um, but yeah, we have to do a whole group number to save the ship. Uhura has to like sing us into it over the comms so that everybody mm-hmm. hears it. Mm-hmm. And then we do we have some dancing in the halls, and <laughs> we've got we got to do a big group number on the bridge with all of our crew. Everybody has to dance, including Spock. That's what eventually uh-huh. saves us. Is Spock has to join the group dance amazing that's like shitty high school choreography which like brings me so much joy on this kind of thing it's just like arms up arms down arms out (laughs) like it's like nothing (laughs) um and yeah we do hail the klingons who sing k-pop love that that's a fun little joke it's klingon pop love that one fun little fact about that is uh the guy who plays that lead klingon is bruce horak who is legally blind, by the way, um, oh. I found out in my research, like lost all vision in one eye and lost 90% of his vision oh in the other eye. But he plays Jake in Evil Dead the Musical, which is a musical deep cut that I love. Um, wow. So that's very fun. That is very fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we all have to sing uh, and find our purpose. And mm-hmm. our purpose is to protect the mission. <laughs> I would would have loved a bit more harmony on the last few lines. There's a lot of good harmony throughout sure. the song, but at the very end of the finale, I feel like there was barely any harmony, which seemed baffling to me. Um, but uh, overall, this song, very similar to the first song, I think is much stronger than the majority of songs in this episode. It felt like the first and last songs were like the most fully conceived, mm-hmm. which is interesting when you say it was written by a band. Yeah. Uh, I would have thought that they would be more comfortable on solo numbers. So that's really yeah. interesting to me. It's a weird thing to me, too. This is like such a nitpicky thing. I know I've been nitpicky this whole episode, but this, yep. I think, is especially nitpicky that they shoot anything goes into it and then none of the songs sound anything yeah, like anything goes. i will say that did yeah i and was gonna bring that up yeah it's a big shame because when the star trek theme comes up in the credits it sounds like way more bombastic musical theater cole porter swing sounding like so they change it that's not normally what that sounds like no, 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 I'm not talking about, like, the original theme, like, the end credits when um, Star oh. Trek comes on. The acapella Star Trek thing yeah. I loved as well, too. That was um, really fun. That, that was, was like, a fun touch. bit. Was a great I had touch. a great time with that. But just the Star Trek theme in general comes back after the musical stuff is finished and we're, like, kind of resetting and having that, like, you know, a captain's log or whatever thing at the end. And I was like, oh, this is, like, such good orchestration and, like good kind of classic musical theater sounds almost almost like Cole Porter sure. like I was saying sure I mean a lot of horns Star Trek always uses a lot of horns mm-hmm. I totally agree yeah it was they shoot Cole Porter into it and we get k-pop back there is a disconnect there yeah um I kind of I mean it would have been fun even if they'd started feeding like other songs into it if we could have sure. played with like musical styles sure you know if we're trying to communicate with it we send it like I don't know, a really upbeat pop number, and we all do a mm-hmm. pop song. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. I think there was, yeah, there was a little room to make that through line clearer. Or just write it like Cole Porter songs. I don't know. Totally. I mean, that's, I, I get that that's difficult. Like Cole Porter is oh, so yeah. iconic. I mean, I literally just say, <laughs> write it like you and I are a Cole Porter song. That's easy. Like, no, that's extremely hard. That's a very tall order. I just was so confused why they threw in Anything Goes in the first place. I feel like they could have thrown anything else, but. Um, I think that, it's 
Because anything goes, man. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so what? Let's just do it. Anything goes. <laughs> just anything, man. Um, the last note I had is that I love Pike's little apron. It's oh, a good my God. Apron. He loves wearing that little apron. Um, I've now seen multiple <laughs> episodes with him in that little apron. He, That's delightful. He loves cooking. And he's going to make a beef bourguignon. <laughs> and he wears his little apron all the time. And it's really quite delightful. It's Incredible. big space dad energy. Big, big space dad energy. I love that. Anything else, Liza, before we go into scoring this? No. I think I'm ready to score this thing. I think this is going to be one of our most interesting scorings. I think so, too. <laughs> so let's start here, Liza, as we always start with the general vibe. Um, this is... How much we enjoyed it, how much it's aged. Is it problematic? Is it a good episode? Love to hear your thoughts. Um, general vibe is very high for me. I don't think that'll shock you. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried for sheer joy <laughs> many times. Um, there were tears streaming down my face of pure elation. So for me, this is straight up a 10. I had like the best time. Wow. Full 10. I know. Yeah. So it's obviously hasn't aged poorly because it just came out. That it would just be came out. That would be devastating. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have as much fun watching Rude. it. But no, Rude. It, 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 no, it's like a personal attack against me. But go on. Like, no, like go off. Like, tell me how I'm dumb or whatever. But I will say, after talking back with you with it, I do think I find a couple things more enjoyable than I thought originally. I don't think I would put it as high as a 10, but I would be willing to go 8 on it. Can I get you to an 8.5? You can get me to an 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do an (laughs) 8.5. Good old-fashioned negotiating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Music. Um. So the music, I've obviously had a lot of gripes with it, but at the same time, I will always come back to the well of, this is an incredibly difficult thing to do, and I have so much oh respect and admiration for anybody we, who does we this. We truly bust out, like, nine songs in yes. the course of this, like, one-hour episode of television, and they're all original. Like, that is hard. <laughs> and that opening song is so good. Mm-hmm. I just, I really want to come back to the idea that they they could have put in the same amount of work that they did in the first song that they did with all the other songs. Yeah. Still, I think this is like a strong nine. I could even go to a 9.5 on it. I think 10 might be out of reach for me, but I'd, I'd go as high as a 9.5. 10 is out of reach. I think a 9.5 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrics are up next. and I think this is where things are going to suffer a little bit more for me, personally. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find rhyme schemes in a lot of songs. Um which is a choice. I just don't particularly like it as a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they, yeah, I mean, we've had multiple songs where just now we were trying to figure out what someone was supposed to say. Like, yeah. I think there were times <laughs> where we we're like, I know you're feeling an emotion. You're not telling me what it is. Like, I'm very confused as to what the point of this number is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is this takes a harder hit for me. This is somewhere closer to like a six. Yeah, I think maybe? a six is exactly what I was thinking. It's still original lyrics. And again, very difficult thing to do, especially with such like technical language that they could have with Star Trek. I, I think that makes it a little bit harder. And yeah, I, I mean, I, especially we incorporate it so well again in that first song. We really yes. do like all the Star Trek jargon and we just completely drop it for like the rest of the episode, which is kind of sad. 
Yes, and I I should have said this before, but even though I don't love this episode, I love a big swing, and I will always always uh, yeah. rep a show that like tries something. Um, so I uh, definitely giving it love for that. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, dancing. Yeah, the dancing for me. I know we felt a little bit differently about this. I don't think it was that good but we at least tried to have a lot of different dancing in it oh i didn't mention this before but one thing i did love in the opening number i don't remember who's doing it but like a couple of red shirts are at like a a little panel where they're like moving levers up and down and they start synchronizing it and they're like wait what they like have a moment of like are we doing this it's the the helmsman yeah the helmsman do this it's delightful i love that bit (laughs) that Uh, bit was the best choreography for me in the episode There were some fun choreo moments. Uh, there was that. There was, I enjoyed the dancing in uh, the I'm Ready number. I enjoyed the the dancing in the final number. We get like a couple shots of people dancing through halls. Specifically, the one of Christine and Mabego was so cute to me. I really <laughs> lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, And then, of course, we get like my favorite thing, which is like, shitty high school choreo uh-huh. <laughs> right yes. at the end there which like fills me with glee because we make our whole cast do it which is yes. i think something you and i ask for all the time we're always 100%. sitting here like make your whole cast participate make them all do the dub dance and they do it in this one which for me earns real points a hundred percent i'm big on that too and like not only does everybody have to do it they have to do it like spock has to do mm-hmm. it in order for us to defeat space <laughs> question order- mark nobody else is going <laughs> yeah. in order for space to not destroy itself somehow and somehow Spock needs to dance. So this does get high marks for me on this. I will say that the the choreo moment that you were talking about that I didn't love as much and I'm ready. I do think like a lot of that choreo is like so close to being good for me. Like even the lifts are like half done. They're like a little bit of a lift, but not really anything with the lift. Um, but again, I appreciate that there is dancing in that moment. I'm feeling an eight on this, but I'd love to hear what your pitch is. I think an eight is good. I think, yeah, there's not quite a lot of dancing and some of it's not overly interesting, but it's fun and it's there. I don't want to give them credit. And an eight feels nice. Yes. A solid B. A solid B. A solid B. All right. Performance. Now, this is where things dip a little bit for me, but it's a little bit tricky because I think some people have really great performances. And Mm -hmm. then I think... Some of the acting feels a little wooden or a little not all there for me. And of course, the the singing with the autotune does a lot of negative for me. Um, I think something I'm kind of learning in this experience of watching a lot of musical episodes is I prefer it if people sound bad but authentic as opposed to if people sound good and unnatural. Same. If you're acting it, I don't really care if you can't sing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all in selling it. And I think, yeah, we didn't quite trust a few of our actors to sell it if they couldn't sing it. And that's a little sad to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do agree that the performance a little bit suffers on the vocal front. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's really uneven. Like, I think, uh, you know some people get a 10 spock's getting a 10 from me Ahura's yeah. getting a 10 Ob- there are absolutely. some 10s here uh and then there are some much lower numbers yeah <laughs> so i think a seven seems fair in my head um can i get you to 7.5 yeah you can get me to a 7.5 i think that's fair 
I love that for me. Yeah, a, a C, a mid, a mid C. Okay, it's a group project, and you know some project. people didn't put their pull their weight. Exactly, exactly. Writing for me, this is actually pretty strong. This is strong for me too. I thought the writing on this was really fucking solid. Mm-hmm. I thought we did a really good job being so camp and ridiculous and like this to me was such an ideal star trek episode like it's Mm -hmm. episodic it stands alone on its own it does have implications for the future but it is like a weird space problem with nonsense science that we solve within an episode yes and it's goofy and people are having fun all of our characters are getting in like fun little quips and opinions i just had a really great time like for me the writing on this was super solid i'm tempted to give it a 10 yeah i'm i'm happy with giving this a 10 as well too i think there's a bunch of writing things that are smaller that don't land for me but i think overall they do more good than bad a hundred percent yeah um direction and we were talking about this a little bit before with how things were filmed i'm curious to hear what your thoughts on that are um yeah i think i think we could take more from the musical playbook in terms of shots. I think mm-hmm. we are sometimes underserved by Star Trek's all about quick cuts and like, you know, fast pans across a room. I think we could have been served a little bit more by some slower moving cameras and some more solid shots of groups. And uh, I think sometimes even the choreo just suffered because of that. I felt like sometimes mm. there was some good choreo going on and I'm losing it in a camera cut because I'm mm-hmm. changing angles. I didn't mention this before, but there there is this pretty egregious cut to black after Keep Us Connected, after Horror's Big Number. And it, there's like little moments like that where I'm like, ah, we, we are losing the momentum we've been building in this episode by doing things like I that. I totally 100% agree. Yeah. I don't think the directing is necessarily bad, but I actually do think in times it takes away from the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. We feeling like a six on this? Yeah. Yeah. I think a six is good. A D. Is that a D? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, grading I mean, That's is not dumb. how this works. But yeah. <laughs> a six means good in, I think, in A six books. does, actually. Yeah. It does. I think anything above a five for us is like, you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of commitment, mm-hmm. I really, I don't see a universe in which they did not commit fully. Like no, I agree. This I think is they extremely committed. committed. Yeah, this is like a ten for me. I don't see a single moment where we like fall out of committing to this. Yep, I think that's um, fair. Okay. Um, in stakes. Yeah, I mean, I think the stakes are relatively high here. Again, you know, this is coming from someone who doesn't really know the show at all, but it seems like you know the stakes are pretty high for people to not reveal their you know, I guess, emotional desires that are inside and we're kind of getting peeks at those. Um, So I think you're getting a lot of characterization in this moment, but then also kind of uh, a couple of big decisions. I guess I don't know in the overall structure of the show how much that changes things. Yeah, it's a little hard because I haven't gotten to this point in the show yet. So uh, some of these like character interactions and stuff. But yeah, there are there are some big emotional moments, particularly for La'an. She seems to have like a big emotional arc this episode. And for Spock and Christine, that seems like mm-hmm. it has pretty big stakes. And also, of course, the stakes of this are that the Klingons are maybe about to blow up the entire Federation because mm-hmm. it made mm-hmm. them sing. So <laughs> that's wild. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I think the stakes on this are pretty high. Yeah. I'm kind of tempted to give it another 10, if I'm honest. 
I'm I'm happy to give this one a 10. Okay, I think cool. That's fair. So now to our personal ranking, and I think we're going to differ here. I don't think we're going to differ by so much, but I think we are going to have a, a difference. Right. Um, yeah, you want to count us down? All right. Three, two, one, nine. Seven. Yeah. Wow. Lighting us at an eight. That yeah. makes sense. I think that's I think that's totally fair. All right. Um, so that puts us at a grand total of 83.5. That's a pretty strong episode. That's a very strong showing. That's a very strong showing. We don't have to rename our podcast, but that's an extremely strong showing. That's right. That's right. Okay, to recap the scores here, that puts Subspace Rhapsody at an 83.5 out of 100, putting it in second place between Once More With Feeling and Scrubs Is My Musical, really shaking up the whole frame here by keeping Buffy in first and Scrubs in last like last week. Yeah, I mean, um, Star Trek Ascendant, uh, we are ready. Next week, we'll see you once more with season 17, episode 12 of The Simpsons, entitled My Fair Laddie. Should I try that in a Scottish accent? No, right? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, I do want you to do that in a Scottish <laughs> accent. <laughs> no. <laughs> you set yourself up here. I did. Me fair laddie. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, I know Scottish people. It's because I respect them too much to make fun of their culture in this way. But I've never tried it. You can find this out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> not no, you can go on. You'll find this episode on Disney Plus. Thank you to Olivia Brislavsky, our angelic audio architect, and to Sakana Powell, our debonair digital designer. If for some godforsaken reason you like this show, please be sure to rate and review us. If you don't, keep it to yourself. You can find us on Instagram at Once More With TV or contact us using the information in the show notes. And, and scene. scene. <laughs>